Hi everyone and welcome back to episode three of this fantastic retail marketing series and today's one is something I'm really passionate about and it's all around the staff in your retail business and the, I suppose that the title for today's one is your staff, your retail staff is not just for and Richard is going to take away this title for me because it's gone out of my head again. Inspiring <laughs> staff is for life not just for Christmas. Now so we talk about inspiring people. It can be one of those words, I suppose, that's up in the air. What does it mean, I suppose, on the shop floor? What does it mean to the marketing department, to the hiring manager, to the shop floor manager? Um, again, it can mean different things to different people. So we're going to really divulge on that today, see how that plays out in real life from a training piece, from a marketing piece. And um, yeah, I'm really excited. So I suppose starting off, Richard, um, from from your perspective in the marketing field, I suppose, what role does do our staff play in marketing? Because in other businesses I've been part of, we kind of looked at marketing like that's the marketing department's job. It's not really my job. At times that was the case. They were going to give us the promotional material. They were going to do the uh, POS. They were going to tell us kind of, we nearly left it up to them to really drive footfall into the stores. I mean, you both know when you're in a smaller independent retailer, you kind of are the marketing person and everything else in between um, that maybe you get away with not doing in the really large multinationals. But maybe you'll shed a little bit of light on that. I think it's a really interesting question. And my my thoughts on it are that when you go into a store and you interact with with a, with a colleague, member of staff, whatever you, whatever the business calls them, they are the face of that company. And it, it's really interesting. Everybody talks about Apple and the Apple Store, and and it's quite. I quite like going into the Apple Store just to see how people interact with people in there, and and they assume that everybody wearing an Apple T-shirt is you know, part of the family or, you know, brings them closer to the brand. And and for me, it's fascinating because the people that work in stores are the face of the brand. And, and I think, for me, the people in store are too important to be left to just HR. And, and what I mean by that is if they're just staff that are there to sell, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, I think we're missing a bit of a trick. And as I said a couple of weeks ago, marketing is too important to be left to just the marketing department. HR and looking after your staff is too important to be left to just HR. And I think for me, if we start thinking about, right, what does good look like in terms of great customer service and presenting the brand in a really positive light? And you start thinking about the people that do that really, really well in retail. Why is it? And then you kind of pick out from that Why does it work? How does it work? And for me, we start off with the conversation, what does good look like? And in the UK, the first retailer that comes to mind is John Lewis. And and there's that classic story. When you go into John Lewis, you'll find a, a nice person in a suit that knows about the product. And John Lewis has got this reputation for service and culture. But also when you talk to a colleague, they kind of 99 times out of 100, they're proud to work there. They're proud, you know, they're not a colleague, they're a partner. We're a partner in John Lewis. And there's that kind of pride and, you know, good manners and product knowledge. And you feel like you're not just buying from a store, you're buying from John Lewis. And and it was interesting because I was thinking about this. I did a bit of research on it. And every time they do a customer service 
um, profile in the UK. John Lewis comes up in the top 10, not just of retailers, but of businesses. And you start thinking, well, why is that? What is it about them that is so good? And where does it come from? You know, because not everybody knows everything about I know, a bottle of Chanel or a Samsung television. It's a mixture of training and culture. And I think it, it, it's a really good question to start unpicking. Why is it that a chain like John Lewis has got that reputation? And why is it that people have the, they treat the partners and the staff in, in, in those stores so well? Or why is it that when people go into an Apple store, they feel that when they talk to an expert, they really are talking to an expert. There's that sense of excitement. Um, so I think, you know, we talked about this before about benchmarking. For me, John Lewis is is kind of a high point. And I'm, you know, my question to you from an Irish perspective, where do you kind of get that feeling when you go into a store that they're more than just a member of staff, they are part of the brand? Yeah, so exactly. kind of, I think that's a really, really good question to ask. And I think touching on what you said, culture there. Um, and I think when I look at brands and I look at really great branding, I think brand to me that the people inside or you know the staff inside that retail store that's the personality of that brand it a hundred percent is that's you know you know this could be a particular brand but the people that are talking about that particular product that's the person it to life it brings it to life that's the personality of it and to give you an example there's a brand here in Ireland and it's a it's a DIY store they've about nearly 40 stores in Ireland um big big DIY company and Woody's DIY they're part of the Grafton group which is quite a big um consortium of uh uh, I suppose builder merchants um across the board in the UK as well and there when you go in there and and everyone has this perspective and I suppose if we were to compare and I'm not going to name names but there is other big big DIY stores that you don't get that same um customer service with I know that whatever Woody store I go into in Ireland across those four um retail outlets in Ireland I know there'll always be someone there to carry goods to my car and they're nearly known for that if you go in there even if you're buying a thing of paint the person in the aisle will be like do you want me to put that in the boot of the car for you so you nearly Every time you go in there, there's always, I've never once not gone in there and had somebody not offer to take stuff to my car, my shopping to my car. See, that's, that's where customer service becomes part of the brand personality. And, and I think what's great about it is when people start talking and sharing that. And, and that's what I mean about, you know, it's not just customer service, it's that brand personality. And I think what's really interesting, we talked about conversational currency last week. And I think there's something really interesting where when that past that brand personality is so strong, you share it with other people. And I I love that example. And I was thinking about, because I always say, well, what, where, where can you benchmark from outside of retail? You know, what does good look like? And I, I went to, to Disneyland in LA this year. And Disneyland's kind of got this reputation for being the happiest place on earth. And I was thinking... You know what it's like when you kind of go to a theme park in Europe, you kind of get the, the members to staff like, do I really have to be here? And you go to Disneyland in LA and everybody's really cheerful. Now, I'm not sure if it's because they've had three cups of coffee, whether somebody's going, you need to be cheerful or you're fired. However, culturally, it was an incredible experience because 
you know, they make, whether you're buying something in a store or whether you're interacting with somebody on security or whether it's the characters, and I met Darth Vader, what a nice bloke. And, you know, you kind of have this experience where everybody is so involved with making your, making it an experience. And for me, I was like, well, that's a high watermark. And that's why it's got the reputation of being the happiest place on earth. I would also caveat the most expensive place on earth, but we'll skip over that. But I do think there is something about when it's done so well, it becomes part of the personality because it's not just a theme park with rides. It's an experience in the same way that Woody's is. It's not just a DIY story. It's like, we know what we're talking about and we'll take it to your car and look after you. And I think that's where the whole idea of brand personality and the people on the front line executing it becomes really, really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really interesting. And it's making me think, I suppose, that, you know, we're talking about the brands that are, you know, it's really clear when you walk in, it's really clear, I suppose, I know what I'm expecting or I know what I'm getting. So when I walk in there, I can nearly predict the service I'm getting. And there's a consistency within that, okay? And I find the biggest letdown in retail is we're really not consistent with the customer service piece. So we'll have an up and a down, like on a graph chart, it'll be up and down. Yeah. And we'll do really, really well. It'll be, and, and I suppose going back to how, you know, how do we actually get to a place where it's actually part of the culture so if we were to look at another retail business um, and we were to you know benchmark or, or compare role model that against uh, the woodies the world and I have a DIY store and I want to be known for having that you know real personable experience where you walk in and you know someone is always going to be there to help you know because that's what we want we we have online but how can we compete with online is we yeah. want human beings we want connection we want to get help when we're in the shop we want to get advice when we're in the fitting room we don't want to be stuck in the fitting room with their little number card and not have anyone fetch a size for us that sometimes happens and we're going out with you know our one shoe on and one shoe off trying to get you know a size so I think it really goes back to <clears throat> I think the brand understanding and having clarity of what experience they want their customers to have when they go into the store, what they want to be known for. Um, but bringing that into all areas of the business, because I think <clears throat> I see this a lot. We have a really great marketing strategy. OK, we want our customers to be going away thinking this. But what we don't do is we don't tie our recruitment or onboarding or training and our marketing all into that same customer experience model. Yeah. So if you're saying we want to be known as being helpful, how are we recruiting with that in mind? How are we actually setting I think it becomes a way of life. Yeah, I think it becomes a, a way of life to get that brand personality over. Yeah. And I think what's really interesting is if you do marketing and a customer service campaign yeah. once a year, I think it becomes tokenism or it becomes one of those things, right, well, we need to do it because everybody else is doing it. And I think for me, when you have that brand personality and you can live and breathe and inspire it and reinforce it throughout the year, then it doesn't become tokenism. It becomes a way of life. And it's really interesting because I actually think this is potentially easier for independents to do than chains. Mm. Because if you're an independent, um, there's a brilliant example I'm going to use again, Upper Playground in, in San Francisco. All the staff in there wear the gear, 
that they sell and it's kind of street artists and hoodies and t-shirts but they're kind of cool and they welcome every customer and they're really proud to work there and they're like hey you've got to try this because it's new and it's like done by this artist and it's really cool and it's somewhere where you want to go and and kind of hang out with them because it's kind of their way of life they're really proud of the products they know what they're talking about and it's not forced and I think it's really interesting as consumers if you go into a store and it and it's almost that scripted, hello, sir or madam, how can I help you today? Because they've been trained to do it. And, and I think, you know, imagine that you're the colleague in store and you've been told, right, you need to do this script. That, that, that. And I think what you have to do is pull people's personalities out and align it with that brand personality. And I think it is really possible to do all year round. I think what's really interesting is, how do you get that philosophy into your colleagues? And I think this is a really interesting question around culture, around recruitment, but also aligning your marketing brand personality with how you execute it in store. And we talked about Disney and John Lewis's high, high benchmarks on with Woody's, but also how can you do that in your, in your retail stores? And, and I think for me, it is putting all of it together and, and that brand personality but I kind of you know culture is a difficult thing to create and I know you've worked with lots of different businesses and and within them you know what are the examples that you've seen where that culture is is really good and where is it where you've just gone oh no oh oh no yeah it's a really really good question and I think yeah, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you, we'll go back to the benchmark and piece and I'll give, I suppose, just to, to continue on that uh, rhythm. The good, the bad and the ugly. Yeah, we'll go back and then, and then we'll go on to the ugly. Um, so the good, I suppose, uh, I think change management in any business is absolutely, it's, it's a long process, I think. And anyone that has, you know, a lot of chain of retailers will know this, or even in smaller, change is huge in a business. And I worked for a business back in 2015 and a new CEO took over and they had a big strategy around the brand. They were rebranding it. Um, It was, you know, they they wanted to change the philosophy within it. And it was a real five to seven year plan to change the culture. And I think it's really important for people to understand that if they do go in and take over a business, uh, you're really looking if that business has been established for 10, 15, 20 years you're really looking at a long-term, you know, uh, change management uh, plan because it's not going to happen as quick as what you would like it to happen. And it's, you know, it's uh, quick wins. Uh, the longer wins are going to be over a couple of years. Now, what was really interesting was I was part of that uh, process of that change management culture piece. And <clears throat> going back to what I said there, that sometimes what can happen is, the departments in retail, when they're in a big retail, you have the buying admin department, you have the marketing department, you have the HR department, um, you know, you have the senior leadership team, you have so many different, you have the warehouse team, you've, you there's so many different, you have the suppliers, loads and loads of different parts. So you could be looking at about six to seven different departments, depending on how large it is. What can happen sometimes is they're all working with their own KPIs, with their own objectives. They're given their own targets for their own roles in their own departments. Okay. 
siloed. And what can happen is, is that the marketing department can have a really great marketing strategy um, around, again, it could be branding, it could be people, it could be whatever that is. And what we've done was we created customer avatars. Okay, and this is where it, it got really interesting. We created customer avatars so that the staff could understand who each who each one of those customers were within that particular business. So they identified seven of the key customers that they had in that particular retailer and they created a persona for each seven of those. And all of their marketing was based around those seven key customers, all of their pricing strategy, their promotional strategy. So from a clarity piece as a store, as a team member, you knew out of those seven different customer avatars, what price and strategy. So if you were talking to a customer segmentation piece, it was really easy for them to, you know, to how do I know to sell? Okay, it's this budget, it's this type of product. But what they also done then was they they connected the customer avatars from the marketing department. They nearly created the personas of how we sell to them, how we talk to them as the brand values proposition. And what they'd done with the brand values was, and it was so pinnacle in the whole process of this, of building the culture, the brand values and behavioral values were built into the feedback model that the managers gave the staff every day, was built into the morning brief. So every single morning we had to talk about with the brand values on a board at the back of the store. And we had to name out one of the team, an example, a real life example of how they lived one of those brand values yesterday on the shop floor. So we would go, oh, you know, Mary, Bob, whoever it is, you know, um, you're really homely and real. And homely and real was one of the brand values in that particular retail. And they were like, what do you mean by homely and real? Well, you know, you're really authentic, real being authentic, um, you know, and how you actually brought her over to the paint department. Um, and you're really homely. You're really like personable with her. You really... You you know, showed her how your house was. You took out your phone, you showed pictures, you gave her ideas for cushions and you brought her over then to another department. And without being salesy... Living the personality. Exactly. But what you do, and I think what happens a lot of the time, you know, we talk about culture and the retailers are doing it really well, our business is doing it really well. They have a really clear mission statement, really clear brand values and behavioural values. But how... How does that look like on a daily basis? Okay, and this is where they drop the ball. Okay, because we talk about, we have a lovely big poster um, in the stores of brand values and and ethos. And that's what I mean about tokenism. Yeah. There's a difference. And this is why I think, I I think there sometimes can be tokenism, which is, right, we know we need to improve customer service. So we're going to have on, 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 on a big poster, be nice. Well, what does that mean? And, yeah. and how does that get articulated? And, and I think what's really interesting is if you're an independent retailer, mm. what's great is you get to set the culture. You get to define the brand personality. I think what's really interesting is how you execute it. And when you were talking about, well, actually, we did a, a stand up every morning and we gave a demonstration of how we do it. And I think that's one of those ways where you can actually, you know, subtly imprint it on the staff. And that's where it becomes the whole point of today's podcast is about inspiring staff for life, not just Christmas. And if you just put a poster up saying, be nice, that's just one day, or we're doing customer service week. What about the other 51 weeks of the year? And and, and I think this is where it's a really lovely example, because if you are an independent, set the brand personality. 
you know, what's the personality that's going to attract customers? Because it, when you go into a retail store, it's not just the products on the shelf. You know, because reality, you can get it all online. You can. Yeah. So what's the personality? What are the reasons for people to spend time? What are the reasons for people to know, like, and trust? And then really, hopefully, share. And I think that's the really wonderful thing where you get a great experience. And it's not just, it's not just we carry the paints, the car. That's a nice story that you tell your family. But it's the one where I went into a store uh, in Oakland, and it was called Maple Street Denim. And they're like, oh, yeah, really nice to meet you. Right, I know you like this brand of jeans, but did you know they've got this new one coming up and it's got this little bit of stretch in the fabric? Mm, I think that size doesn't look right on you. But if you try this one here, absolutely spot on. But their culture, and, and there's a retailer that I'm working with at the moment called Solo Boutique, and, and they're in a, a town called Malvern. And I love her philosophy because it reminds me a bit of Maple Street. And her philosophy is, and, and, and she's very strict about it, I won't sell something to a customer if they look awful in it. They need to look fantastic in it. And it's part of her philosophy. And the rest of the staff have got it, which is instead of just selling product, they need to look fabulous in it. What a great mindset. What a great thing to leave customers with. If you come into my store, you're going to leave looking fabulous. That's the whole thing about setting a brand personality. It doesn't have to be this complicated thing. It could be a philosophy and a way of life. And then she's trained all the stuff. If somebody looks awful in a fluorescent yellow dress, tell them and go and get them something that they'd look fabulous in. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's I think that's really interesting. And it comes back to that whole consistency piece, I think, because and it does. And I think what can happen sometimes is we can all be saying we can all be saying different things. So we can be in a retail store and we can all have, I think this is what goods are, you know, and we can have, and that's where it gets diluted. That's where it's not clear what that is we're actually offering. And then I'll give you- It doesn't need to be robotic. It doesn't need to be robotic. (laughs) But I think what can happen sometimes is with, in retail stores, we can have a fantastic team member that's there for maybe 20 years, 15 years. They leave and the service drops. So looking at that as well, you know, and I've seen this happen and I'm like, but why? Why does it happen? Why do we have a great team member go out sick and the sales plummet or the service is poor or they leave um, because they might retire or they move on or whatever and the service drops? And that again comes back to we're all working individual. We're not working as a collective. We don't have that same vision within the brand. And I think that vision piece of, you know, being really clear on, you know, our our values. What is it we value? What's important to us? And given your ethos example of, you know, we want people to look amazing. You know, we don't want them to walk out and not look great with that particular retailer working with, that being her mission. That's really clear for someone coming into the business, um, you know, what it is they're delivering to their customers. Um, so and I, I think, think there is something around recruitment, Louise. And, yes. and, and it's really interesting. We, we, we talk about benchmarking, looking at examples. I work with a, a fantastic tour company in the city of Canterbury and they do tours around the city. They can be boat tours, they can be ghost tours, walking tours. And what tied it all together, we, we built them a, a brand platform and we called it Sharing Canterbury with the World. Because when you go out on the boats, the tour guides are not called tour guides, they're called captains. And we came up with this whole philosophy 
of sharing Canterbury with the world because that's what doesn't matter what tour you go on, that's what you get. And we talked about his recruitment. And instead of asking, I said, what experience do you have in being a tour guide or whatever, 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 whatever. The question was, the first question now in every interview is, tell me a story. That's it. Tell me a story. And, and some people will freeze and other people go, well, actually, and they're the people you want to recruit. So I think that, you know, I go back to the example of, of the boutique and people looking fabulous. I want somebody that to continue that philosophy. If I'm recruiting, I want somebody that's honest with style. And I think the whole idea of recruiting is really, really important. I think the idea of retention is really important. And I think the idea of that brand personality that you set, your philosophy, whether it is on a boat trip at Disney or in a boutique, it, it's exactly the same. What's your brand personality? What's important to you? And how can you get the right people to share it? And I think that standard question of, so what experience do you have? I mean, that that's great. But it's also more important to get people that fit your culture. And whether I'm talking about the boutique in San Francisco, which is you know, a little bit edgy, then I want people that, that, you know, have got the right vibe, that want to wear the gear, that want to be able to talk to customers about, you know, their interests, which is we sell street art on T-shirts and hoodies. And, and I think that kind of that philosophy is so, so important. And maybe there's a question when you are recruiting, what are you actually recruiting for? Because if you just want people to put stuff on the shelves and go, customers, that's what you're going to end up with. And, you know, from your experience, have you found recruiting the right people to be in those kind of stores? Yeah, I think it goes back again to that, the particular retail store that you're in, what the expectation is of it you know because each store is its own personality each store you go into has a certain persona for example um if we looked at some brands that are maybe you know really loud you know um high energy and then if we had somebody offering it could be meditation it could be well-being it's a different tone it's a different pace it's a different customer that we're talking to so I think what we really need to be I suppose clear on what is my brand what if my brand had a voice had a personality what would that look like and I think you know, understanding that, I think, first is really important because once you understand that and um, you understand what your customer base is, then you go and you recruit the team to suit that customer base. So I'll give you a perfect example. I worked for a retailer before, an Irish brand retailer, and they're a huge part of their customer base was a tourism market. So again, they had a domestic market during the off season and they had a tourist market. Now, the tourist market, um, you know, it involved going out and um, the tourists could be coming in on buses. So you had to be mobile. You had to be, you know, you had to have a big personality. You had to be comfortable with walking up to groups of people. So you had to have certain personality traits, certain things that you're comfortable in doing. Yeah. Could I hire somebody that maybe didn't like going up to large groups of people? 
No, because it's not fair on them because I'm trying to fit them into a mold of a brand that doesn't really suit them. So maybe they'd be suited in a different role or a different part of the business. So it's it's once you're clear on what you're delivering and what that is is about in that particular brand, then you go out and you go, okay, this is what I'm actually looking for. Um, and this is what we need. And it's really been clear in the expectation piece because I go back to what you said there. And I think sometimes this is, this is, and, and it's a bit frustrating because I've been in retail for 15 years and it's one of my peeves is that people, people have a perception of retail that anyone can just go in and work in retail. Like anyone can just walk in and, you know, it's just one of those jobs you don't need a big education for, you don't need a degree for, and you can just walk in off the street and sure, you know, no. Um, and, and it, you know, and people do that perception that we're just going to hire people and it's just, you know, they're just out there to get the little jobs done. And it's not the case. And it can actually be damaging it damages the brand and people really need to get their head around this they they're understaffed they panic they recruit they're in peak trade just get them in we don't know it doesn't work that way i've seen it done what it does is it damages the value of the brand and it actually what it does is is those people that are passionate about the brand that are driving the brand that are enthusiastic that goes down that enthusiasm, that passion, because we've brought in people that don't really buy into the brand ethos, that don't really want to, to be there as such. And, and they're, you know, and it doesn't work. And they're, the, they're, they're the people who are sharing your brand's personality with your customers, which is why I said to you, people are too important for just the HR department. And, 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 and I think it's so much bigger than that, because they are the people that Oh, I, I went to blah, 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 retail. Oh, yeah, it was awful. How was it awful? Well, the people were awful. And, and, and you kind of, that's why I think it's so important to get the right staff. But then I also think there's another point, which is how do you retain quality? How do you keep that kind of brand personality going? So it's more than just once a year. How do you, you know, get the colleagues on board? And, and I always find it fascinating that, the really great restaurants, for instance, get all the staff to try all the dishes so they can talk about it to customers. And I think there's lots of things you can do to retain staff and colleagues in a way that works really well. How do you get them in- engaged and involved in the products? So obviously, if you're working in a luxury high-end boutique, the people that work there are not necessarily going to be able to afford the product. So how do you inspire them? How do you get them involved? And I'm not just talking about staff discounts. Staff discounts, great. It's one of the perks of working in retail. But I think there's so much more than that. You know, there's certain stores that that will say to the colleagues, right, you've got an allowance. Go and buy some clothes or go and have this. Or, you know, if you're working on a perfume counter or a cosmetics counter, you get so much product. And I think there's different ways of engaging and inspiring people. And I think actually getting product into them we, we we talked the other week about sampling why aren't you sampling to your staff whether it's food drink clothing cosmetics whatever it is they're the people that are talking about your products if you're launching a new product how do you inspire them with it and and it's really interesting i think some of the alcohol brands are really really good at this and they'll, they'll give the colleagues a certain amount to try but then they'll also give people if you think about this another way, if you're a brand, how do you get sell out of your products? And I just thought I'd share, share this really nice little 
for example. This is a small distillery called Maidstone Distillery. They're absolutely brilliant. Their gin is fantastic. Great Christmas presents. And the Branscombe gin is really nice, as is their toffee vodka. And this is a classic. It's a measuring jug, uh, a jig, and it's branded with the name on it. And and they they go and give this to bars. They leave it for the bar people to use. I mean, Jack Daniels have done it for years. Here's a classic kind of gentleman Jack jig. And it's one of those things. What can you give to your colleagues and staff that they go, oh, that's really nice. Oh, I tried that new product. Oh, you've got to try this new whatever it is. You know, do you give, are you giving them the tools to sell the product? Because just to expect them, well, here's the product, go sell it. Okay, well, how do I get the personality? I know we need to do this personality about looking really stylish or looking really cool. How? And I think there's that, you know, you've got that opportunity to go, well, well, take some of that new cheese home and, you know, share it with your family and tell us what you think. Because we have to remember that the colleagues that work in stores, live in the communities that they serve. They are part of the personality. And, and I think, how do you empower them? And, and you know, the, the jigs is kind of like a fun way of doing it. But there's also that kind of idea that how do we empower them to take the, the retail personality out to their communities? And it's not forcing it, but it's giving them enough resources so they feel part of the team. They feel part of the culture. They take pride of working and sharing that brand personality with other people. I think that's really, really important. And listening to what you said there is, and I do think it's it's sometimes forgotten about, is we've external customers, we've internal customers, and our internal customers are a team. And, and I think it's sometimes not... I, I, I think sometimes once we've onboarded the team, uh, we've put them through, they could be on a three-month training program, whatever that looks like in, in a particular organisation, and we kind we of go. off you we'll, go. We'll see you at your appraisal. Yeah, we'll see at your appraisal. And there isn't a touch point. And I think the only time we really touch in again is if we have to put them on a performance improvement plan or there's issues or, you Do know, or their sales are astronomical. So I find what can happen is unless they're blown out of the park or they're underperforming, that's the only times we're really intervening with these with some of these staff and I think that's a big issue you know those people that are consistent that are you know showing up every day that are doing that and you know they might be blown out of the park every day but who can and they're not underperforming but they are they're doing what they're supposed to do and they're doing a really great job and I think what we need to be thinking about is how are we actually motivating them how are we inspiring them how are we supporting them how are we empowering them yeah how are we empowering how are we saying to them Right, well, we've got this new range of, of, of clothes in. We've never stocked it before. Go and sell it. Really? You're asking a lot. But actually, if you turn around to them and say, you know, our personality is this, 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 this. This is this new range that we think customers are going to love. This is why they're going to love it. Just feel the fabric, feel the material. And actually, if you talk to your suppliers, they will send you additional product. Because, and, and I use the example of Maidstone Gym. If they're going to put that product into a retailer or a bar, they'll make sure that the staff get to try some because they're the people that are going to sell it. But if you go and talk to your spies, we talked about this last week, about if you ask point of sale, you ask for that kind of additional help, they'll provide it to you. If you turn around and say, look, we, we know we're launching your product. 
are we okay to get two or three extra samples for, for the staff or you know are you could you send somebody into the store just to talk to the colleagues for five minutes about this new range these are things that i'm talking about practical steps to help you sell out, but also to reinforce that brand personality, to empower the staff. And also we talk about retention. We all know what a nightmare recruitment is. So if you get good people, empower them, look after them, retain them. And it's not just a pay rise. It's not just staff discount. It's about noticing them and empowering them and helping them to deliver your brand personality and be great at your job. Yeah, I think recognition is the big one. I think recognition is, and it goes back to that whole, are we, is our recognition system or our succession planning system, is it set up for, you have to do astronomical sales, you have to have really high KPIs, um, or, you know, you're underperforming and then you're pushed out to one side, you know, what does that look like in your business? Because I think it's so important, you know, are we, you know, are we actually recognizing when people are being empathetic? You know, I was on a, I worked in a retailer before and a customer came in, she cut her finger outside. One of the team got the first aid box um, and gave her a plaster and stuff and gave her a glass of water from the canteen. Now she didn't need to do that. It was a busy department, it was peak trade, but she'd done it because she cared. She's empathy. She talked to the lady. She was having a really busy day. I was trying to get her kids from school. So are we recognizing these little things? Are we shouting about them going, this is why our brand is so amazing because we've people like you working in it that actually goes above and beyond that, you know, isn't just there to, to process things at the tail, isn't just there to do stock counts, it just isn't just there to serve, but is actually taking a step further, rings the customer. They're the face of your brand. Exactly. They are the, fa- yeah. they are the face of your brand. And, and if we go back to the original idea, they are the face of your brand and that brand personality that you have, I think is vital that, you know, not only do you hire and retain the great people that you allow people to, you know, show some of their personality through, like you said about the empathetic colleague. I think what's so important is that you also recognize these people and encourage and, and, you know, they are your brand. It's not just the products that are in store. They are the people that work in store. They are so much more important than just being colleagues or just being a checkout operator. They are the face of your business. And I think this is such an, it's such an undervalued part of the marketing mix. You know, if you've got some marketing budget that you can spend looking after your team, they will look after you. Yeah, I think that's a really great thing to touch on uh, for anyone that's in marketing or in that retail space. How much of your budget is actually, do you have any part of your budget? Have you thought about that for the retail team that are driving that? Because I think it does get caught up in, you know, CRM programs, gift to purchase, all this. And I know... Louise, these- otherwise it would just be a poster on the wall saying, be nice. <clears throat> yeah. How do you execute that? And I'm not just talking about a Christmas party for all the staff. It's all year. And, and, and I think this is where, you know, it's like a little bit of a challenge to, to marketing teams. Like, how do you engage colleagues in store? And I'm going to share with you a quick example from, from Sainsbury's days. They did a, a program where they needed to get sales up by X amount. And they realized that if they could get every transaction to spend £1.10p, they would hit the target. Not a huge amount. 
So what costs one pound 10p? Well, actually, if you've got some nutmeg and you grated it into your spaghetti bolognese, it tastes amazing. And please, please try it. Just get some nutmeg, grate it into your bolognese. You're like, oh, that was a good idea, that. They gave 150,000 colleagues a nutmeg with, if you grate this into your bolognese, it tastes fantastic. Sales went up of nutmeg. Now, that's one example, but it was more a case of how can you talk about a product that nobody knows about? How can you inspire people to say, right, to get sales up by pound ten, all you need to do is sell some nutmeg, one per transaction. And, and, and it kind of got the idea over. It kind of got the idea over that you can try something new today. That was the philosophy at the time. Try something new today. And this is how you live and breathe that value. And I think there is something about in really, really, how do you inspire your colleagues? Because not everybody has got the budget to spend thousands and thousands on training. But it is possible to get enough budget to go, right, here's a new product. We're going to share it around the team. And like I said, go and ask your suppliers. Your suppliers that put product into your store need your help to sell that product out. Have you ever thought about asking for that little bit of addition of budget? to inspire and train your the staff in stores to help sell it out. Really simple. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, going back to Woody's DIY, the brand I worked for before, and they have uh, once a year, it's a huge, huge thing. They take all their colleagues away for a couple of days. And what they do is they, they have like over up to 50,000 products ranged in their stores. So it's a huge offering of products as you can imagine what they do is they bring some of the suppliers the bigger suppliers they gather them all in this huge location and they bring staff managers retail store teams away uh, on a bus up to this location where all the suppliers are so what what happens is we all go with bags and bags and bags of freebies of goodies I think I came back before with a you know a little you can make a little kind of a a birdhouse you can paint it with your kids what it done was we all came back with all of these different products and we were actually used them but we were were giving them to my god these amazing seeds you can plant plant your little strawberries you know in your kitchen windowsill and all these fantastic because we talked to the suppliers and we seen what they could do and they done demos with us they shared i came back with two massive bags of gardening stuff and i'm not i don't have green fingers but man, was I enthusiastic. Um, and I'm not a gardener about gardening because I was I was privy to that. I seen how big it was, how, how you know, inspiring. It's inspiring. So inspiring. And it goes back to that again. And the suppliers got involved in that. It wasn't just the store. And it was, yeah, it was absolutely fantastic. And another retailer I worked with, the Kilkenny Group, they sent five, six store managers. I was one of them down to a beauty school they were introducing uh well-being products so they're all skincare products and they realized that you know what in order to sell these in the stores the managers really needed to know what it was about what the skin was about so they actually sent us away for two or three days and we got certified in skin in skincare which is absolutely amazing they funded it what ended up happening with those six store managers right well you can pretty much guess it we went back into the stores and our stores were the highest selling. My particular store was one of the highest selling in skincare across the group. Why was that? Because I was confident in the product. I was passionate. I went down to 
we, we actually asked the beauty school to use the products we were arranging. So it was a tailored main program in the store. So we experimented on each other. We knew I went into the store and we'd done skincare days. So I closed the store. I told the colleagues, take off your makeup, you know, put it on, see what it feels like. And the sales just went up and up and up and up. And we asked for samples from the suppliers. It, it sounds like, it does sound a little bit like common sense. It does sound like, you know, it's pretty, you know, but a lot of people aren't doing it. And, and, and going back to what you said there, we think, but a lot of people aren't doing it. But the sales just went up and up and up. It really did. It was phenomenal to see. I think to, to sum it all up, and we, we started off with people are too important for the HR department. And I think our colleagues and our staff are our front of house. They are reflections of our brands. They're the people that are going to drive sales. And they're worth investing in. And I think they're worth investing the marketing philosophy and all of this stuff we're talking about, how it all fits together the marketing, the suppliers, the sales, you know, the the motivation side of it, the recruitment, all of it comes together. Your brand personality and getting the right people to execute it, it has to be more than a token effort of be nice poster on the wall. It has to be a way of life. And I think that when you get it right, you can end up with a really virtuous circle where, you know, colleagues feel not just, I work in a store, but I, I'm part of the business. And then you look at the high watermarks of John Lewis or, or Disney. It's absolutely possible to create that in an independent. In fact, it's easier because you control the culture. You can control the brand personality. And hopefully some of the ideas, the practical ideas that we talked about, about how you execute that, inspire you to think that colleagues are so much more important than just being a colleague selling products yeah love that Richard so where can people reach out to you Richard we've come to the end of the of the show and if anyone wants to listen back we've another two episodes there is so much more there we've touched on the last part which is your people we actually went back to the very beginning of uh, what marketing is what it looks like and there's really great key takeaways in those other two episodes but Richard if people want to get in contact with you and um, where can they find you what do you kind of offer what do you do Thank you. Um, it's dead easy. Go onto LinkedIn and put Richard Liverman or Richard Solutions. That's my business. I work as a professional mentor and coach. I also do branding and retail consultancy. I, I absolutely love it. I've, I've spent my entire career in retail marketing and mentoring. It, it's such a brilliant sector. And what I hope to do is offer kind of my experience and my skills to try and help people elevate what they do because it's a brilliant sector and with a little bit of help you can do so much cool stuff that helps develop your brand personality and and your retail stores so thank you very much for having me it's been an absolute pleasure thanks so much for coming on Richard and definitely reach out to Richard and he does talks he does mentoring he does everything in between and thank you so much for coming on Richard you've been absolutely fantastic sharing all your knowledge thanks a million